Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Jake in the Paint podcast. Today, I'm here with my dad to give you guys a special episode. It's our first NBA episode, and we're going to be recapping a crazy season in the NBA. We're going to give you everything from some storylines from last night's crazy finish in the league. We're going to give you our yearly awards. We've got the MVP, Rookie of the Year, all that good stuff. And then I'm going to go through all my NBA teams, one, two, and three. Going to give you guys my analysis on why I kind of picked who to go where. Some of it was no-brainer, and then some of it you kind of ran into some dilemmas. So I'm going to explain that guys. To, I'm going to explain that to you guys. And then moving on down, finally, my dad and I each filled out a playoff bracket. Hopefully, it, it's going to go better than the March Madness bracket. So we're going to give this one a shot. We wrote who we think is going to win each series and in how many games. He is a hot take for you guys, so you guys got to stay tuned for that. And yeah, let's get this started. So first off, I just want to talk about some storylines, two storylines that stuck out to me from last night's finish in the NBA. And the two storylines, of course, we had that playing game. I'm not going to talk about that. It was on League Pass, so I know a lot of you guys didn't even get to see it. That's a story, a funny story for another day. A lot of people, basketball heads, were mad about that on Twitter because they don't have League Pass and they couldn't watch it. But the two big storylines for me, we have the Sixers absolutely rolling the Bucks, who the Bucks everyone thought one of the, were one of the top teams in the East all year. They're still a playoff team, but they absolutely made them look so stupid in the last game of the season. Ben Simmons, I wrote a tweet at halftime, Ben Simmons hadn't even scored yet, and J.J. Redick and Embiid weren't even playing, and yet they were still up 36. If you had any doubts about the Sixers, throw them down the drain. They're legit, and they're young, and they're absolutely scary. And that's basically what I'm going to talk about, is that after this year, we're going we're gonna to get into LeBron's free agency in a minute, but everyone's kind of, that's like the theory is that he shouldn't go to the West because the West is all locked up. You have the Warriors, you have the Rockets, you have the Thunder, maybe, we'll get into that later about Russell, but you have the Thunder, if maybe they can re-sign Paul George, who knows, Lakers are young, and so the consensus is that he should probably stay away from the West, but honestly, after this year, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, you got Embiid, Markel Fultz is finally coming along. We're getting to see the guy that we thought we saw at DeMatha all along. The DMV is going crazy for Markel Fultz. If you guys you guys don't know if you're not from here, but they rep Markel so hard. Everyone's really happy for him around here. So Markel's finally getting to show out. And mind you that Markel can shoot the ball. Like people people tend to forget that Markel can actually shoot. You watch him in high school, he can shoot threes off the especially off the dribble. Watch him at Washington in college. He shoots threes really well off the dribble. And so Markel doing all this right now, not even taking a three, barely taking mid-ranges. He's getting this all at the rim. So just imagine when he has a whole offseason to get his mind right, get his shot right, and he's going to come back with a full offensive arsenal to go along with my rookie of the year, Ben Simmons. We'll talk about that later. But just a ridiculous young court. Of course, can't forget Joel Embiid. And then the management actually... Everyone liked to trash the Sixers management, but I think they put together a really good roster. You bring in J.J. Redick, a veteran. He knows he knows what it takes to be on a winning team, and he does what I think you need on every single team. You need a shooter. You need a guy to stretch the floor, especially since Markel doesn't want to shoot and Ben Simmons also doesn't want to shoot. So you have two guys that don't want to shoot, and J.J. Redick is huge. He stretched out the defense. And then you have another shooter, Robert Covington, undrafted they found the gem signed him to a long-term deal so those two guys really stretched the floor and then Saric another young guy I mean the Sixers to me that was like 
they're t- obviously this whole winning streak has been like a realization for the rest of the NBA that they're not just like a young team with potential. They're good right now, and it's the scary thing is they're only going to get better. But I felt like I had to address that because it was straight embarrassing for the Bucks to lose like that going into the playoffs. They actually catch a lucky draw getting the Celtics without Kyrie. We all know the Celtics are pretty deflated right now. I don't know if you can be more deflated than the Bucks coming off a 40-point loss in the season, but if there's a team that's less def- more deflated than them, it's Boston. So that's going to be an interesting series. We'll get into that later with our brackets. But basically, I had to give a shout-out to my guy, Markel. He's actually my first-ever interview. When I was in eighth grade, I covered. I was covering the fir- my first-ever McDonald's All-American game. We pulled up to the hotel from the airport, and Markel is just casually walking on the sidewalk. Pulled him over. I was really nervous and kind of just threw some questions at him. And he was actually really nice, gave me some good answers. And so that will forever be my first interview. And teams that to be a good one. First-round pick, and now he's finally getting his chance to show out in the league. And then, of course, we can't address the NBA without talking about Russell Westbrook. the most contra- Probably the most controversial topic right now. Second year in a row, averaging a triple-double, and I have a lot to say. I'm going to let my dad say something. Uh, just give me your thoughts on this, because before I just go off for a couple minutes, give me your thoughts on this real quick. Well, Jake, you and I have talked about this a lot and have a little bit of a disagreement about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, whether or not you like Russell's attitude, his antics, you can't say enough about the guy's heart and effort. Yes. He may not go about... The, the way everybody wants him to do it and, and he may be you know a little bit irritating and he may be a little bit selfish at times but at the end of the day to have 10 plus assists a game rebounds. 10 rebounds a game definitely impressive the one thing you know you're doing is giving maximum effort yeah. i know there's a lot of stat patter you know thinking out mm-hmm. there uh, we're, good. we're gonna get into that i know we'll get, get into, into that, that and i can't really argue about that but the guy has a motor that i think is second to none in the nba um, I'm not personally the biggest fan of Russ, as we all know. Um, I, I'm much more of a KD Steph yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> love the Warriors. Love hey, the way those guys if play. You guys, you guys haven't heard yet. We back the Warriors very hard. We're big Warriors fans, and we're not bandwagon fans. Don't get that mixed up. We're still Knicks fans at heart. But when your team hasn't made the playoffs in five years, you kind of have to, have to adopt and appreciate someone else who's winning. And don't confuse it with bandwagon. I, we both are on the same page. We love how the Warriors play. It's fun basketball. It's team basketball. They they all love playing with each other, and it's just great to watch. So that's why we're big KD and Steph guys, but he's a bigger Russ fan than me, as you can tell. But what I was just – I was just telling them this tonight, and it was basically – I was watching Will Kane on ESPN, and if you guys don't watch, I mean – Everyone likes to say that ESPN's dying off, and I completely co-sign that statement. ESPN's completely dying off. The content is not what it used to be. But tune into Will Kane's show from 3 to 6 on ESPN if you have any time. Guy knows what he's talking about. And I was watching him today, and I completely agree with him. And he was saying, and he's getting in a fight. It was his two producers were, like, ganging up on him, saying about how, how can you hate Russ? How can you hate Russ? He's going he's going balls out for you. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's averaging a triple-double for the second year in a row. No one else is doing that. No one else is doing that. And my thing is this. This is the one thing I don't want to get lost when I'm done with this. Russell Westbrook is a really, really good basketball player. That goes without saying. Really good. We watch him at times, and you're like, wow, this guy is unreal. He gets to the lane basically whenever he wants. He's fast. He's, almost, he's always the fastest guy on the court. He's athletic. He's jumping everywhere. He's blocking. He's getting block shots. He's hustling. He's fighting for boards. He's a really good player. But here is my problem with Russ. I have two major problems with Russ 
other than the stat padding because here's this. If you want to try to tell me that Russell Westbrook is not conscious of his stats at all times, no matter the game, whether it matters, whether it doesn't, playoff game or the game last night when they're already in the playoffs. I don't have a problem with him going for that triple-double last night. Go for it. You're already in the playoffs. You're playing the, you're playing the Grizzlies. Go for it. But if you are trying to tell me, I'm not talking about that game. I'm talking about in a regular game, Russell Westbrook is not conscious of his stats, conscious of how close he is to getting a triple-double. You're lying to yourself. Straight up. He tries. You watch him, sometimes he's more passive than other, sometimes he's way more passive than others, sometimes he just will refuse to close out on three-pointers so he can crash the boards, sometimes he'll actually steal rebounds away from his teammates and don't say, oh, it was from Melo in a game that didn't matter. No. There is a clip of him with their, it's a close game with three minutes left in the in the playoffs last year against the Rockets, and there's a ball that's going up in the glass. Russ is in the left corner, and he comes flying in. His teammate is under the rim, ready to... Catch it, lay it right back up, cut the lead down. And Rush just comes swooping swooping in, slaps it out of his teammates' hands, and dribbles it right back out to, I'm sure, then ISO and whatever he's going to do. <laughs> so that's my issue with Russ, is that he's not, he's not always doing what's best for the team if it means that it's going to confiscate his stats. So let, let me jump in here for a second. Oh, you can jump in. Well, I'll, be, I'll be right back. Jump in. Okay, so let's not... Let's put it this way. You don't get to seven assists, eight assists a game without the heart and the effort that he brings to the table. So, yes, towards the end of the game is you maybe, you know, not closing out on threes, which I know is a big thing of yours. uh, So we can maybe get that extra rebound. Um, Hey, if he's passing up uh, a shot. Uh, and let's be real, outside of his layups, his jump shots are not exactly a, a thing of beauty. There, uh, Russell, actually, he shot 29% from three this year. And that's not like a DeMar DeRozan thing. Well, DeMar DeRozan was taking more towards the end of the season, but that's not in terms of him not taking them. Russell Westbrook, shot he shot 29% from three last year, and he was taking about four of them a game. Now, that's greatly cut down from his seven a game from last year right so i'm all for him passing those passing the ball to get an assist as long as he's but not taking this. that shot i'm not going to ride the stat pattern narrative because that has no backup to it i'm not just going to go out there and say russ stat pads I, I see it even though i do you see it you watch him you see it i'm not going to say that because that's way too nah, I, there's no evidence to back that up what i'm going to say is i have two main issues with russ and they both revolve around him and his triple-doubles, I've always said this, and it's like the argument that when Ben Simmons gets a triple-double, it's like a gift from God. But when Russell gets a triple-double, he's stat-padding. And it's this. It's that when Ben Simmons getting a triple-double, he's helping his team win. He's doing the best for his team to win. I would like you to tell me how when Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double in both of his seasons, one, all right, you're, you can have the excuse. I want, I want you to guess how many games this team won from last year, his second best player was Victor Aldipo, who was averaging 15 a game last year. Now he's averaging 24 a game. I actually don't think they won How more many games. Ones? They, they won one more game. One, they, more game. one more game. They went from 47 to 48. They added Paul George, which is an all-star. He's an all-star. Paul George is an all-star. He's on my NBA team. He All NBA, all NBA third team. And, and, and who's the next person they And added? Carmel Anthony. And here's what I'm thinking about Carmel Anthony. Everyone likes to say Carmel Anthony is on the back end of his career. He's on this. He's on that. Carmel Anthony is one year older than LeBron James. And Carmel Anthony's game is not nearly as taxing as LeBron. I'm not saying he's LeBron, but I'm saying we're, we're Knicks fans. We watched him last year. Carmelo was not just catch and shoot last year. 
Carmelo was Carmelo was moving. He was pulling up. He was doing a little bit of Carmelo things. Was he way more washed than he was seven years ago? Yes. I'm not going to stretch the truth here. That's a fact. But him going to the Thunder, he is primarily turned into a catch-and-jack player. I'm sure he likes it. I'm sure he likes it. But that's not what's best for the team. You're not getting the maximum mellow value. Is it re- is it There's best for the team? Basketball is it on best? The is it best three. for the team that Russell Westbrook is taking 21 shots per game? Paul George getting 16 and a half. No, but that's why Paul George is probably not going to sign with that. Okay, but I'm saying my issue with him is that the role of a point guard, especially in my eyes, and the role of a star player, which he is, we agree, he's a star, is to elevate your team's play style. Agreed. Russ. Does not elevate his team's play style. His stats are off the charts. Do not get me wrong. Unreal. But he does not elevate. He doesn't take his team to the next level with the talent that he has. James Harden made Gerald Green look like one of the best guards in the NBA at, at, during his stretches. He made Eric Gordon look pretty like he was the number two overall recruit in high school again. Russell's not doing that to anyone. In fact, he's doing the opposite. We get, I think, and this is the, this is the thing that's happening. Even though Russ is getting like... He's getting all this attention for being great. We've heard a lot less about KD. We've heard a lot less shit about KD leaving Oklahoma City to go to Golden State since Old Depot has broken out. And you also got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony on the team, and they're not winning anymore. They're not winning. And, and look, there's no disputing the fact that if I were to start a basketball team, I do not want Russ, Russ on Russ my is team. not the guy. He's not the guy I want. Okay, he does not make anybody better. I'm uh, completely on board about that. Mm -hmm. The only thing I simply say is I respect the guy's effort. Yeah, I just don't want him on my team. Fair. Yeah, that's no, that's fair. I mean, I just uh, it's I was looking at stats and it was about in over half the seasons since 2010, 2011, when Russell Westbrook and KD were together in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, Russell was averaging more field goal attempts per game than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's the best score in the world. Fair. Okay, maybe not James Harden. Now James Harden's doing his thing. But KD is the consensus, like, get a bucket anytime, get a good shot anytime, and Russell's taking more field goal attempts for him. And then you want to say, and this is why I never got mad at KD for leaving. Well, yes, yes we, got, yes, we got mad at him for joining what was already one of the greatest teams in NBA history. I didn't get mad at him. I thought well, it was people great. Did. People, people did. People got mad at him for joining one of the greatest teams in NBA history. Oh, he's not loyal. He's not loyal. Why would you ever want to stay and play with this guy? Great. He's great. Why would you ever want to play alongside of him? I think as he showed, you don't. And I think as Paul George will show, he, don't, he doesn't. You don't. And I don't think, I mean, Carmelo, I think, is there for one more year. So I still think he's got another year left yeah. on his contract. So he's kind of stuck there. And um, so, but Paul George, no chance. Okay, so I hate, I hate to be this guy here, but we, is it fair to say Paul George is gone? Paul George had a... And that, look, when you bring in a star player to play with other star players, it's natural their stats going to go down a little bit. But there, but my thing with Russ is if you watch Paul George, like Paul George, not the same type of player he was last year. Carmelo Anthony's not the same type of player he was last year. Victor Oladipo is a damn whole new player in Indiana. In Indiana, no. But listen, when KD goes to Golden State, he is playing his same game he was his entire career. KD going to to Golden State. Everyone else is doing the same. They're playing their same game. Maybe they're cutting back a little bit of. Sh- they're cutting back a couple shots, so there's enough ball for everyone. But they're still playing their same game, and Russ just doesn't do that. So, are, can we run the narrative that Russ makes guys around him worse and stunts their development? 
I think that Russ is not a good team player. Mm -hmm. And I think that Oladipo leaving and going to Indiana shows what happens when somebody who can handle the ball um, well, because can play. And then you take somebody like Paul George and even Carmelo. Those are guys who need the ball in the their ball. hands. Yeah. They need to be and, able to create for themselves and yeah. for others. Yeah. And they're not given that opportunity. And honestly, for a front office that I had admired for so long, they probably that's one of the best draft jobs I've ever seen. You hit KD, Russ, and James Harden three years in a row. Uh, Annie Baca. Annie Baca. And, Annie and Baca, Steve Adams. Annie Baca later, and then you grab Steven Adams. Unbelievable job with the draft. And they took to my boy T. Ferg. Shout out to the boy T. Ferg. <laughs> but anyways... Why do you why are you going out and getting Carmelo? Why are you going out and getting Paul George and giving up your two future assets? You're giving up All Depot and you're giving up Sabonis. And I I don't want to hear. I thought we both thought Sabonis was great coming out of coming out of college. We loved him coming out of Gonzaga. What do you know? He didn't, he didn't do anything in, in Oklahoma City and now he's having a double double. All Depot consensus most improved player. There's no doubt. Basically going from a role player to an all star and he's that guy. As Oklahoma City fan base, as Oklahoma City front office. You got to know your personnel. You got to know you're trading away your future on the off chance that Paul George likes Oklahoma City. On the off chance. And that mellows something that that mellows going to take it back to 03 when he had his cornrows. Not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we watched Mello play for a couple of years. And, <laughs> and, and a shout out to, I think it was Michael Kay, who oh. gave us gave us the analogy of what, of what it is for, for the Knicks to have the ball you know, with Carmelo on the floor and how he likes to sit there and yo-yo right. the ball for 13 seconds and then jack up a three off the off So the back we've of the watched rim. a good amount of Thunder games. How many times have you seen Melo yo-yo the ball this year? He doesn't get an opportunity to yo-yo the ball. All right, case closed. We're, we're moving on. We could go for, on this for hours, but we're going to move on to the next thing. I had to address those two storylines. I'm going to go into my, I'm going to go into my players, my player awards and my MVP I'm giving it to James Harden, but I want to clear up some LeBron talk. I may have been viewed as a LeBron hater in the past. Wrote that article saying he's never going to win a championship, blah, 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 all that, all that, all that. And I need to clear this up with my LeBron hate talk. LeBron James is clear-cut the best basketball player I've ever witnessed with my own eyes. No question about it. There's no doubt. I never witnessed Michael Jordan play. I've never seen him play. I saw Kobe, but by the time I really started paying attention to it, he was kind of he was kind of in his prime, kind of out on the back end, but it doesn't matter. I'm sick and tired of people comparing, taking away from what LeBron has done, taking away from what Jordan has done. I'm not gonna say Kobe because it's mainly those two, and I'm tired of these two of these sports people, your Fox, Fox, ESPN, all these guys. I'm tired of them taking away from what Jordan has done and LeBron has done and nitpicking at what they've done bad. You want Michael Jordan losing in the second round of the playoffs. LeBron losing in the finals. Like These are still great players. They're probably the two best players of all time. We're being two best players of all time. I haven't seen Jordan. You saw Jordan. Two of the best players of all time. But anyone who knows a little bit of basketball knows that they are completely different in players. And I'm not saying that LeBron isn't willing to take the last shot and Jordan is. That's far from it. It's the fact that LeBron is making his teammates better by passing the ball, making everyone else around him better, being a team player, bringing the energy, playing both sides of the ball. Now, I'm saying not saying Jordan didn't play both sides of the ball, but Jordan brought something else. He brought a mentality. He brought that killer. So 
before I talk about Harden's MVP and why he's the MVP, I need to clear this up. And that from now on, we you will never hear us talk about MJ versus LeBron on this podcast, or I will never write about it. I'm sure you'll hear that. I'm sure you'll hear Nick Wright talking about it for the next two damn months because that's what else you're going to talk about. But I'm sure you'll hear him talk about it, but you'll never hear us talk about it because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put LeBron in a category of his own for two reasons. One, he's the greatest player I've ever seen with my own eyes, and I feel bad taking away from the great career he has had by comparing him to someone else I had never seen play live basketball before. I've seen highlights. I've seen, I've watched his games, but it's just not the same. You don't know. And for the second reason is that LeBron is no nothing like any basketball player anyone has ever seen before for his size, his IQ for his size, and his skill set. People want to say he's Magic Johnson because they're both 6'9 and they're great passers. Look up how many three-pointers Magic Johnson made per game in his three-point in his career. He made like 0.2 a game on 22%. LeBron is now shooting an unreal percent. He's shooting about 37%. And don't think he's not taking him. He's taking him in the big moments. He's shooting 37%. And he's making about 1.8 per game. He's also shooting 60. As detected feedback. Yeah. So I just do no feedback protection. Sure. What was I saying? Um, you were talking about Magic and his three points. Oh, that LeBron's taking 1.8 a game. Yeah, right. So not only is LeBron scoring at a clip that we've never seen, that we've seen from him before, but his 15th season, is un- it's unpredictable. You would never expect him to do this at this level this deep in his career. He's shooting the ball well, 60% from inside the field. He's 52% from the field with an efficient field goal percentage of about 59%. I mean, those numbers are absolutely ridiculous. And LeBron is great. I, don't, I hate, there's no other way to put it. He's great. Yes, it does bother me that he's lost in five finals. And we were talking about this. There's a difference. And when you make it to the finals, and if you lose in four games like he did in 2007, and then you lose in five games like he did last year, it's a sense that you didn't like what does the finals even mean if you're getting if you're losing in five games you're getting swept like but when he takes them to seven like all credible he deserves it so i had the opportunity to see both lebron and mj play and kobe play Mm -hmm. and i think to your point they are completely different players when you take a look at lebron relative to mj and kobe MJ and Kobe were straight assassins. Yeah, it's, um, it's a different mentality. Now, that's not to say Kobe and MJ were a little bit different in the fact that MJ had a very high basketball IQ. Mm-hmm. MJ would make that extra pass. I mm-hmm. mean, take a look at, you know, you, you, you can see the highlights, the amount of times that Kerr and Paxson made yeah. big shots. He trusted his teammates. He wasn't always... Um, forcing the issue, I think, as much as Kobe did. Um, LeBron's a little bit more passive relative to MJ, mm-hmm. but that's his his role. That's, that's his I mindset. Mean, that's he's why, never that, ever that's not he's great. Right? He's great. He's, he's great. never going to not make the smart I mean, basketball decision. And we saw it in the finals when he drove drew, drew the defender and made the perfect basketball play, kicked it to Kyle Korver, one of the best three point shooters in the league, and Korver missed it, and so we got to hear. And even me, I'll take the blame. Like. 
we I'd said, well, LeBron, of course, he kicked it out. Of course, Kyle Korver hit the, took the game like took the game winner. But if Kyle Korver hits that shot, we're all praising him for his basketball IQ. And and why should we either kill him or praise him for something that's now completely out of his control? You shouldn't. It's just I think that people, I think it's your point, they want to try to compare what they deem to be the two greatest basketball mm-hmm. players of our time. Mm-hmm. They don't want to factor out the fact that they are completely different in who they are as people, what makes them tick, um, and what they're looking to, I don't want to say necessarily achieve, because I think they both want to win, but their mentality was just slightly and different it's, it's just, and there's nothing wrong with it. What, what makes them great is so different that it's so hard to compare them. And that's why there's no right answer. It's like all preferable. It's what do you think is more impressive? The fact that LeBron makes everyone around him better and that he's six, nine shoots threes, barrels down anyone chase down blocks or that MJ is just going to kill you. Like MJ is going to get out there and play with the flu and hit a game winner and then get carried off the court. Just don't forget, MJ was a dog on defense. I'm not, no, I think MJ. I think MJ was, he was the probably defensive player of the year. Player yeah. of the year. No, he no, was no. probably I, on first team, all defensive teams multiple fair, times. So fair, he fair. played both ends of the floor. Let's not get that straight. It's, it's, I think, more on their offensive side. I think the one thing that people will look at, and, and I, I, I believe this, is I don't remember too many times when MJ disappeared. Yeah, and I think that's sometimes that's a knock, and it's a an fair issue. knock, I think, on LeBron. Mm-hmm. Whereby there are games, um, big games, I mean, where LeBron everyone wants, just to, everyone wants to come back to one of those. I can't remember two, three when LeBron threw up like eight points in the NBA Finals in his first year in Miami, and they end up losing. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's five years ago. Are we really going to hold him accountable? But like, if you want to be great, yeah, we're going to go back five years, go to what you did in the Finals. And how about the? That's what you. How about the other night when he got a a lucky foul call as he was chucking up a three and went to the line, best player in the world. Yeah. By the way, this is the second of of three free throws, and they lose the game. Yeah. And also NBA refs, you got to figure something out. You got to figure. It's just bottom line. Figure something out. That we were talking. We were talking about that Rockets Thunder game last weekend. Absolutely unbearable. Sometimes they got to figure something out, but that's up to them, not us. So, anyways. Moving on, and I'm going to tell you why Harden's my MVP. And if you look at his stats, I hate to play the stats game because you're going to say, oh, LeBron's stats were great, but they're different, honestly. LeBron was had one more assist than Harden, and they basically, we need to cut the narrative that Harden turns the ball over too much because LeBron and James Harden actually both average four and a half assists, or four and a half turnovers per game. So Harden cut down. He was at 5.7 turnovers per game last year. He's now at 4.4, so he made that improvement. And he averaged a career-high 30.4 points per game, led the league in scoring. But that's not why he's my MVP. And my MVP, I was telling this to my dad earlier, it's that it was that it was how impressive James Harden's campaign was with the Rockets this year. And to me, it was that, and we always say, like, oh, should the MVP, MVP be the best player on the best team? Like, not necessarily. It shouldn't. Like, if you were going to give it Eastern Conference MVP, it would not be DeMar DeRozan. But in this instance, you had James Harden, and people like to say LeBron has no supporting cast. James Harden, take away Chris Paul, he really doesn't have a supporting cast, and we're going to say that Chris Paul is on the back end of his career. If we're, if Melo's on the back end of his career, Chris Paul's on the back I mean, end CP3 of his career. CP3 is kind of old. He is. He's old. He's playing really well. And he's played a lot of minutes. A lot of minutes. So anyways... First of all, how James Harden was able to blend with CP3. They, I call it, 
you want to say he's a shooting guard, James Harden's a point guard. He always has the ball in his hands. That's a point guard. How he was able to mesh with CP3 and blend with him and how they were able to feed off each other and make each other better and work together to make the rest of the team better was huge for me in his MVP campaign. LeBron, and no, I'm <laughs> do not get, get this confused with I'm saying that it's just as easy to play with Chris Paul and Isaiah Thomas. Do not get that straight. That is wrong. Not true. But Isaiah Thomas was one of the best players in the league in his last year in Boston. And he went over to the Cavs and LeBron and them were just not having it. Maybe he was injured. He couldn't find his rhythm. But LeBron, half GM, half coach, half pl- quarter, one-third GM, President. one-third coach, one-third player, shipped him out pretty quickly. And to me, that was kind of a red flag because like LeBron, is he's that teammate. He's the great teammate. And so on the West, you have James Harden blending perfectly with a guy who plays his exact same position. And then you have LeBron kind of headbutting with Isaiah Thomas. And to me, that was, and LeBron had a great end to the season, but you can't disregard that the Cavs basically had an up and down year and finishes the four seed. By the way, not to completely sidetrack for a second, but you talk about the geniuses that the Oklahoma City Thunder management and GMs are. (laughs) Could you imagine if they had the foresight to say, you know what? We're gonna let Russ go and keep. Okay, Harden. but here's the thing. And then you have, but here's Harden, the and you have that's Harden so, and Durant. It's so unrealistic <laughs> because it's like no one knew what you would never say. Oh, let's trade away our star point guard and keep our six man. Well, he was the six man of the year. Okay, but and but that finals, that finals, they pointed out Harden did not play well in that finals. Fair, but I'm so, just saying in hindsight, it's always 2020. It would be kind of interesting to to just kind of think be, about. No one ever really discusses that would be the what dynasty. if of that because. Yeah. All of a sudden, you have that small market team I with guess. Ibaka and Adams and yep. whoever else they end up drafting, and you've got literally the two, the two be- best two, two players the best in the players NBA in the on the West at yep. least. And I love Steph, but you take a combo of Harden and and and, and Durant, that would be pretty stellar. Yeah. But anyways, back to the reason, and we've seen, and people can say Harden played well because he's in the right system. And if you ask me anything. System basketball is key. You got to be in the right system with the right guys who know that system well. And you can say Harden is able to jack up these shots and he's surrounded with shooters. But like, that's because we're, of course, Knicks fans. We've seen the Mike D'Antoni system basically just completely fall on its face. If you don't have the right guys running, you don't have shooters. You just look like you're a team that's just in a spaz rush to get a, to get off a shot eight seconds into the shot clock. That's not Houston. No, it's not I mean, Houston, it, it was, and it's because James Harden runs that system to complete perfection and elevates the play style of every single player on that team. Take Clint Capella off that team and tell me what he does. Tell me what his numbers are. He's great on defense. He's an athletic big man, but he's not as efficient as he is if he's not playing with Harden in that system. So to me, Harden averaging 30 points per game, 9 assists per game, leading the Rockets to an unbelievable regular season, and then just being able to blend with all those guys and just elevating the level of that team. That's my case for him, and I think he's going to end up winning it. No disrespect to LeBron. He had a great season, but I just think Harden had a better individual season, a better individual campaign than LeBron. So what do you think about the the, the discussion about LeBron doing this in, what, his 17th season? 15th. 15th season, the numbers that he's putting in, and every single year over the last couple of years, it seems like somebody 
skirts by him yeah. to collect an I think, MVP. I think and at some up. point in time, I think it's messed up. So at but some point in time, don't you think that they're going to say, you know what? Look, we got to give LeBron one. I mean, look who he is and okay. what he's done. But how are you going to? But and how many more opportunities are going to get? Are, that's are you going to have it's to give it to? Completely fair. Him? Completely fair. But this is not the year to do it because that would be taking away from what James Harden has put together, which is an incredible campaign, an incredible season. But I, I made this point earlier. LeBron doing these things in the 15th season is absolutely unreal. And that built his case. But I don't think that it's fair to James Harden. James Harden can't control how many years LeBron's been in the league. No. James Harden had a ridiculous season. He basically did everything you could ask for. Averaging 30 and 9, turned the ball over less, 2 to 1 assist ratio, number one in the West. Like, at a certain point. Best record point, in the league. Yep. Best record in the league. What, what more do you want? I'm not saying you what want. What more do you want? You, and you, I think, I mean, if we can look, go back and look at MVPs, like did Derrick Rose really deserve that MVP back in the day? Yes. Who knows? And I completely agree, and that's why I think we need to take when we're judging players' careers, take the MVPs with a grain of salt because you never know what happened during the voting that year. I do agree that LeBron should win more MVPs than he has, but this isn't the year to just give it to him because he's the best player in the world. Fair. Moving on. My rookie of the year, Ben Simmons. I had to give it to him. As you guys, I'm sure you guys have seen Donovan Mitchell rocking those rookie sweatshirts, kind of throwing some jabs at Ben Simmons. I respect that. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that extra year in the league didn't help Ben Simmons' case. And if you're going to say that it didn't help him and is to prepare for him to prepare for his actual rookie year, you don't know the jump that it is from being a collegiate athlete to a professional basketball player. And it's just simple. He was he spent the year traveling with the team. He was on a he got adapted to the practice squad schedule. He knew how to prepare for games. He knew how to treat his body right. He knew how to be a professional for a full year and then came into the league. But that being said, I think Donovan Mitchell had an unreal rookie year. He broke and people are gonna say, Oh, he broke the record for three point mate, three point field goals made by rookie. Let's not get carried away. He broke the record for most attempts by a rookie about a couple weeks ago. So Donovan Mitchell, great year, but at the end of the day, he's a volume, he's a volume guy. And you gotta respect what he did. Basically took the jazz from that mediocre team. A lot of I mean, much respect to Quinn Snyder, one of the best coaches in the league. But you gotta I mean you gotta respect what he's doing, but at the end of the day, he wasn't that efficient. And then you're gonna compare that to the guy of to the stats of Ben Simmons, who's averaging 18, 8, and 8. On the number three, that's unreal. That's it's absolutely insane. unreal. And and his shooting percentage is what close to sixty percent. And I don't understand because everyone knows he can't shoot, but he some some way somehow still gets layups. Yeah, it makes no sense. But Ben Simmons is unreal. And also, you gotta watch him. Like the passes he makes are off the charts. His handle, his court awareness, and this is his first year actually playing. So Ben Simmons is my MVP. No disrespect to Donovan Mitchell. And I, my theory is, if you put Mitchell and Tatum in any, in most other draft classes, they would win, win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of those awards, they've got dished out to some guys who just didn't even have that good of seasons. No, this so, was ended up being an unbelievable class. Unbelievable and class. And let's not also forget Dennis Smith. Yeah. He tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season, probably hit that rookie wall, rookie wall at some point yeah. in time. But Great year. I mean, he started all like a ball. And out. talk about not a, not having a, a lot of a supporting cast. And... No supporting cast, but also absolutely no fear. Yeah, no. I fear. I mean, that guy shot twenty twenty two times a game. <laughs> he's 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 the real baby Westbrook. He's the real baby. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Then most improved consensus, Victor Aldipo. We already talked about him. Not much to explain. Went from being that role player, got out of Dodge, got out of – he got freed from the Russell Westbrook jail, and he's now in Indiana. They're in the playoffs. He's having an unbelievable year, an all-star, also from DeMatha. Shout-out to Coach Jones at DeMatha. It's basketball powerhouse right there, constantly breeding, breeding NBA athletes. You got Quinn Cook, Markel Foltz, and then Aladipo. So shout out to him. They're doing big things over there. And then sixth man of the year, Lou Williams. I mean, not much here to say either. I think Lou Williams kind of got route for an all-star spot. This is his second straight year where he's averaging in the 20s when he's been that guy. He got out of Houston into, into L.A., and he's been like their number one scoring option. Again, volume score, not the cre- not the most efficient guy, but he gets it done. And if you're scoring 24 a game, you're scoring 24 a game. And then moving on. So this is my, I'm going on to my NBA teams. And I had to set a bar here. My minimum, the qualification, I don't know what the NBA does, but I just set it at 60 games played, three-fourths of the season. So that eliminates Steph Curry, DeMarcus Cousins, Devin Booker, and Chris House Porzingis. So I had a, it was a, I had a tough time. And I ultimately did this because I felt it was unfair to compare someone who played 50 games to some guy who played 82. Obviously, it's way more wear and tear on your body. Probably going to have a stats decline, a little, le- little less shooting percentage. So I just thought it was kind of unfair to compare those two. So I set it at 60 games. And so my first team, I have James Harden, my MVP. And then my second guard, I have Damian Lillard, and here's why. I have Damian Lillard instead of, I'm assuming many people are going to put Westbrook. Damian Lillard, to me, has been underrated for way too many years now. He has not gotten the respect he deserves for a couple of years now. He's been scoring 25 points per game, all that stuff. This year, he scored 27 points per game, just like last year, year before that, 25. So he's been scoring over 25 for three years now. And this year, he shot 44% from the field, 36% from three, efficient field goal percentage of 52. Again, not crazy not crazy numbers, but my thing with Dame is he took Rip City to the next level. He took him from that kind of on-the-cusp, eight-seed, young guys, to that three-seed. And they didn't have any roster changes from last year this year. Dame... Oh. Dame just elevated his game, and C.J. McCollum, I think C.J. McCollum is also really underrated. He had a really big year, but C.J. McCollum doesn't do that if Dame isn't having the season and Dame doesn't get the attention that he's getting. And so I think Dame is a flat-out killer, and I look, I really look forward to what he's going to do this playoffs. But to me, that was just the difference. Damian taking Rip City from that, making that jump from the 8 seed to 3 seed, and then Russell kind of having the Thunder with an upgraded roster in the same wins, wins in, win, one more win. But that was the difference maker for me. Again, no disrespect to Russell. He had a, another historic year, but I just think it's fine. It's time we give Damian Lillard the attention he deserves. Moving on down, we got LeBron, of course, and then my second forward, I chose Kevin Durant instead of Giannis. The Giannis hype kind of died down from the beginning of the year. He was hurt for a little bit. Bucks got a little bit worse. And for me, the efficiency from KD is what propelled him to the first team for me. He, another historic, not historic, but it's honestly another year for him. Just another year. I mean, the stats we're accustomed to him putting up are just 27 points per game on 50. I mean, he hasn't, he shot 
over 50% from the field in both of his years in Golden State. Shot 52% this year and 42% from three. He's taking about six a game and he's making two and a half. So really efficient behind the arc for him. Efficient field goal percentage of 59. For those of you who I keep saying efficient field goal percentage, I meant to explain it the first time. Efficient field goal percentage basically balances out the point differential of when you take when when you're making a taking a three versus a two. So basically everyone knows, let's say you take you go three for six from the field and that's 50% and you make all twos. The person you're playing against goes two for six from the field, but they're taking all threes. You're 50%, they're 33%, but you're tied. So that's kind of what efficient field goal percentage does. It balances out that difference. So that's why you guys get, I mean, Steph's efficient field goal percentage is through the roof, and then guys like Russell's kind of lower. But KD, 59 efficient field goal percentage, really good. And the, also, KD decided to be a defensive monster this year. 1.8 blocks per game is actually more than Giannis. Giannis at 1.4, Katie's at 1.8. So he's a rim protector, defensive presence, all-around game, all-around year from KD. And Golden State kind of had a rough end to the season, but kind of holding it down while Steph was out, taking over that number one option. And I just think you got to show him that love. So then my center, I have Anthony Davis. Not much said there. I mean, Looked like he could get win MVP at one point, but Harden kind of just pulled away from it in my eyes, or LeBron, whichever one you want. But Anthony Davis, a historical season for a big man. He's absolutely unreal to watch. He's mobile. He's got a handle. He does it all. So then moving on to the second team, we have Russ, and then DeMar DeRozan. And for me, the DeRozan all depot dilemma was kind of the same thing. They kind of had the same stats. But for me, DeRozan, same thing as, as Damian. He took... Toronto to that one seed and he took them to that next level granted he got help from the Cavs having some issues but Toronto is way more consistent than they have been and DeRozan was a force to be reckoned with the entire year then moving on down forwards LaMarcus Aldridge somehow it's the Spurs there's something in the Spurs water that they drink there it's it makes no sense but LaMarcus Aldridge still doing his thing great year averaging well over 20 points per game and Kind of keeping them relevant, honestly, while while Kawhi is in New York getting his, uh, what do they call it, second opinion for his injury they called it on Fox News this morning? Actually, I think they were, he was talking to the Knicks to see if maybe they could work out a deal. Yeah, that, hopefully, hopefully that's happening. But I but, think he, he's in New York seeing another doctor because he didn't trust the team doctor. But for, for Aldridge, I think Aldridge had a great season. Mm-hmm. I think they took Gasol out a little bit, took yeah. him off the bench. I, I think mean, Gasol is getting old. Oh, no, no doubt about it. But I think that opened it up a yeah. little bit for Aldridge. And I think the conversation that he supposedly had with Pop over the summer where mm-hmm. he said that, you know, he wanted to get traded and Pop basically told him, not going to happen. So let's figure <laughs> out how we make things a little bit better. And so clearly there was a meeting of the minds over there. Uh, and he had a phenomenal season. No if and but. Uh, no offense or buts about it. Got it. Got to love pop. Never going to sugarcoat it for you. And then the center for that one. This was by far the hardest decision making all these NBA teams. I chose Carl Anthony Towns over Joel Embiid. It's, it was really tough considering the logic I've honestly been going by where it's like you elevate your team's, I mean, team's relevance and success, boost your stock. And Embiid did just that, averaging about 20, 23 points per game double-digit rebounds and doing so, elevating the Sixers from having a top three pick to the number three seed in the East. But for me, the difference maker for Carl Anthony Towns was while Jimmy Butler was hurt, he took it over. And he had an unbelievable offensive season. 
He stayed on the glass, averaging 12.3 rebounds a game. And he dipped a little bit. He had 25 his sophomore year, averaging just 22 this year. It's got, I mean, we talked about it. Jimmy Butler comes to town. He gets a little bit less shots. But Carly Towns, crazy efficient, 55% from the field and astonishing 42% from three. And he's taking three and a half a game, so he's not shy about it. And you watch it one that game, the game against the Cavs. He went six for six from three. Complete matchup nightmare. And for me, that was just propelled him over the edge. He played all 82 games and had an unbelievable year and kept the Timberwolves in the playoffs while Jimmy Butler was hurt. So definitely a tough decision, but that's just the direction I went in. Moving on down to the third team, you have Kyrie. He just qualified at 60 games. I think what he does goes without saying. Took Boston. They were the number one seed while he was still playing, and likely if he did not get hurt, would have probably been the number one seed. 25 points per game, just getting everyone involved and really making everyone better in Boston. So then moving on down, we had Oladipo, our most improved player. And then we had to bend the rules a little bit for Ben Simmons. I couldn't find, I mean, it was hard to put him over a guy like Kyrie or Oladipo. So I listed him at a forward. Everyone knows he's a point guard, but we're going to bend the rules a little bit. I saw on Twitter, Bill Simmons did the same thing. He did a joke as a player. He's like, is it wrong that I listed Ben Simmons as a forward just to get him on the All-NBA team? So we're doing the same thing here. Got to respect it. 18-8-8, efficient from the field. So you got to show him some love on the third team. Then moving down, our last forward is Paul George. Although we talked about his stats dipping, still averaged 22 points per game for the Thunder, five seed in the West, and was a stable second option while Russ was jacking up 25 shots a game. Anyways, Embiid is our center. Missed out on the second team by just a hair. So he finds his way to the third team, but don't just don't see that as any disrespect. He had a crazy season and got to trust that process. I mean, what a process. Totally splitting hairs between Anthony Davis, Cat, and Embiid. Davis, maybe you can easily give him a little bit of the edge. Well, I think think you give Davis a little bit of the edge just because he was basically the only player on his team and they're still the sixth seed in the playoffs. And what he did when Boogie went down was absolutely unreal. I mean, that team just got better and better as the season went on. I almost wondered whether or not that experiment really should should be changed. Talk talk about stunting some growth. Right. So they they did not lose a step. Um, Mm -hmm. And I tell you, I know we're going to talk about the playoff series coming up, but... That that first round series between the Pelicans and the, the Blazers, Blazers. I, must see TV. Yeah, yeah. And then so we're moving on. My dad and I each filled out a bracket, and like I said, hopefully this is going to go better than the NCAA one that we I filled out. Speak for yours. My NCAA I, wasn't all that. All right, bad. I'm sorry. I sorry I disrespected him. He had. Where did you finish? Did you have Villanova? I had Nova, had and I had so, Michigan in the so fi- he had Nova and four, Michigan in the final four, and I had not bad. I had three, and I had Kansas. I had three out of the four final Not fours. Bad. That's and, actually very good. I'm sorry. I'm and, sorry. And by the way, if if Michigan, I'm glad they didn't clearly lose in that game, and Nova ended up winning, it would have yeah. come in second. So yeah. not all that bad. Yeah, if Michigan was only 25 points better than they actually are. Oh god. Anyways, <laughs> uh, moving on to our brackets, we're gonna go. I'll say my first round, then my dad will say his first round, and we'll just go like that. Me, Rockets, Wolves. I have the Rockets in six. Jazz Thunder, I have the Thunder in six, and we talked about this, that basically the fact that Russell is just not going to let them lose in the playoffs, he's not going to go out like that, and if they lose to the Jazz, there's zero chance, mark it down right here, that Paul George is resigning with the Thunder. 
I don't even know if Paul George will go back on the team playing if they lose. <laughs> he might just call his agent and go straight to wherever, probably LA. But we, we don't talk about free agency just yet. And then Blazers, Pelicans. I have the Blazers in five. Pelicans are great, but Dame's on a roll. And I think Dame and CJ, that backcourt's just going to be too much for them. And then Warriors, Spurs, despite Steph's ankle, Steph's ankle which I think is going to need to get better. As soon as possible. I think KD and the Warriors still handle the Spurs. Spurs just sneak into the playoffs. I think they handle them in five. And then going on to the Eastern Conference, I have the Raptors in five. Um, I think, I mean, people are saying that it's a bad draw because of the Wizards, but we know the Wizards just are mediocre every single year. The D.C. fans down here are all excited. John Wall came back from his injury. And, yeah, it's they're still the same old team. Raptors in five. And if that happens, this Kids, kids at school will be pretty quiet for a while. Then moving on down, Cavs, Pacers. I have the Cavs in five. I want to. I wanted to say that the Cavs are going to sweep them, but then LeBron's backpack, as we would say, he can only carry so much. So you got to think the Pacers give the Cavs one game, but I think LeBron still moves on pretty handedly. Heat, Sixers. I have the Sixers in six, just on the chance that just. Because of the fact that the Sixers, no one on, no one, I mean, none of their core players have really played in a playoff game before. And then the Heat, you got, you bring D Wade back, you have some playoff experience. And honestly, just law of averages to me, you have to assume that the Sixers are going to play a bad game soon. So I think the Heat give them a little bit of run for their money, but the Sixers take control of that series. Then moving on down the last series, Celtics, Bucks. It's going to be an ugly series, honestly. This going to be. No Kyrie, Giannis is eh, still off that injury, but I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown end up pulling through. Tyree Rozier playing really well right now. I think the Celtics pull uh, in six. So we're pretty much, for the most part, mm-hmm. all in the same thing, except we'll, we'll come to that last one you just talked about, because mm-hmm. um, I actually think the Bucs are going to pull that one out. Okay. Um, I, I think you talk about deflated earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it was, it was like right after they heard that Kyrie news, they lost like a really bad game. Yeah, it, that it's, day. Yeah, it's that, that, that's just tough. I mean, you're really dealing with Tatum as a rookie, Jalen Brown in his sophomore season mm-hmm. uh, to lead the team. Yeah. So they picked up Greg Monroe, who's been a solid pickup. Yeah. Take a look at the stats. I think he's done pretty well, added some value to them. But I, I just think at the end of the day, they, they don't really feel like they're playing for what they thought they were going to play for. I completely agree. It, with that. It's going to be yeah. seven games. And yeah. everyone's going to be wishing it's over soon <laughs> because I just don't see it being pretty basketball. Yeah. But I do have them winning. Outside of that, we're pretty much on the on on par. I I do really look forward to that Blazers Pelican series. Yeah. I actually have that one going seven. Uh, I, I, hope, do, I hope that one. Goes I know, seven. That, and, and and I think that the Blazers that are going to pull that one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I I think the first round series, uh, you know, are going to be somewhat mediocre. I think, yeah, I I know. I think it's it's going to be good basketball, but I think it's kind of predictable to an extent. Yep, agreed. Um. Now, moving on down, Rockets Thunder. I mean, yeah, Russell, I think Russell's, the whole team's going to be burnt out, honestly. They had to grind just to get into that into the playoffs, then to go play the Jazz. Rockets have been cruising, and I think, honestly, they're just too good for the Thunder. I mean, if you watch that game, and I know people are going to say, oh, Thunder just beat the Rockets in Houston. Like, If you were really watching that game, there was a total different sense of urgency between those two teams like one team had already locked up the one seed and the other was had to win to get into the playoffs and that was visible in the game but when they play in the second round like that's not going to be there both teams going hard I think the Rockets handle them in five moving on down the Blazers are going to give the Warriors a run for their money they always give them a good game 
And I'm banking on Steph's ankle not being as bad as it was in the 2016 finals. We talked about that before the show. Hopefully he comes back. I think they're going to handle them in six, but I think that's going to be a tough series for them. And then moving on to the East, I have the Cavs beating the Raptors in six. Again, the Raptors just can't beat the Cavs ever. The Raptors can't beat LeBron James ever. It doesn't work. They can't do it. DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, they're good. They're just not good enough. And LeBron's definitely not losing to Toronto in the second round. So then moving on down, I have the Sixers taking care of the Celtics in five. I mean, we talked about the Celtics. If they can find enough steam to get past that first round, I definitely don't think they have enough gas left in the tank to get past the Sixers who are rolling right now. I have the Sixers in five. And my final four set up Rockets, Warriors, and then Cavs and Sixers. So this is where we differ a little bit, but only slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not believe that Steph's going to come back with a healthy ankle. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question I, mark. I, 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 just, question I, mark. I think this is the same issue and that we had in 2016. If, if he does come back, is he full strength? He's not full strength, yeah. and you're going to see it. I mean, I'd be absolutely shocked. I mean, it, it's, I'm a believer that if you can play, you're out there playing. Uh-huh. Um, they're resting it for a reason, um, not because it's the end of the season, not because they think they can take care of the Spurs. They're resting because I think he's hurt. Yeah. I know nothing, but uh, that, that's just what logic tells me. Yeah. Um, and, and I think when you take a look at how the Blazers have played throughout the course of the year, they get hot. Mm-hmm. McCollum scored over 50 points. Dame scored over 50 uh, they're points. They're one of the only backcourts. I don't know if someone else did it this year. It was in history. One of the only backcourts have two guys score over 40 points in the same right. season. So, I mean, yeah. f- f- from that standpoint, I think those guys can get hot. Um, I think that there's been a, I don't want to say dysfunction among the Warriors. I just think at the end of the day, they're a little bit lost without Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they're hoping that he's going to come back and be healthy. I, I just don't 100% see it. And I don't think if he if he's out there and he's not 100% healthy, mm-hmm. I don't think they have a chance. So I actually took the Blazers and I actually took them in six. So I, I don't think it goes to seven. There it is. Fresh out of the microwave. There's your, there's steaming hot out of the microwave. <laughs> You have it right there. And after that, I mean, I, I was nice to the Raptors. I gave them the game <laughs> against the Cavs. I think they could get swept. I think LeBron has absolutely, positively zero respect for those guys. Yeah, but he, why, why, like, should he? It, it, why should he? Why should he? Every year, it's like, oh, this is the, this is the Raptors year, this is the Raptors year. No. Correct. No, so I, 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 I mean, I gave them the game just to be nice, but I don't think they're winning. Mm-hmm. And I have the Sixers in six. I've got the Rockets actually in five. I've rocked, I think yeah, to Rockets your point, five, I, think, I, I think they're going to be cooked. Uh, after that Jazz series, I think that's going to take a lot out of them. Uh, I think the Rockets were playing for absolutely nothing the other night, um, and I I think when push comes to shove, they're just much better. They, they're just there's too much power there. Yeah. And then I have in the West Conference Finals, I have the Warriors in seven. I just think that playoff experience too much. They know what it takes to win. We all know Harden and CP3 are kind of suspect in the playoffs, so we don't know what to expect from them. And look, the Rockets, the Rockets are kind of what the Warriors were before KD, where it's like if they're cold from three, like they're con, they're very very vulnerable. And we saw that even though they weren't really playing for much against the Thunder, like they were still cold. They barely cracked 100 points. So if that happens. And I think that could happen often. I think the Rockets are going to need to light it up every game, game in and game out, to beat the Warriors. And I think that's asking a lot out of them. So I have the Warriors moving on, but I think it goes to seven. It's going to be a tough series. And then I have the Cavs taking care of the Sixers in six. Great game. I hope they meet each other. It was a great game the other night. LeBron couldn't find that clutch bone in his body. 
that night. So I don't think LeBron has a clutch <laughs> bone in his body. He maybe has a couple, but he couldn't find one that night. Um, and so they lost. But I, I hope that series comes true. And they get to play again. But I have LeBron moving on in six. Not the Cavs. LeBron moving on in six. And I've got Rockets. Uh, clearly, the, the Warriors can't make it to the finals in my bracket if they don't get to the semis. True. So I've got the Rockets. I think they will take care of the Blazers. Uh, Cavs, I think, are going to take care of the Sixers. I'd love to see the Sixers win. I mean, that would be such yeah. an unbelievable story. What a turn. What a turn. I mean, that would be just the, the, that, By the way, that would give every Knick fan hope. If the, if the I mean, Sixers, yeah. I mean, that would get every got, team hope because the they were so the, bad for so thing, long. Here's the thing. I don't know why. I, I, I'm this is where I'm not on the same page as you where it gives every Nick fan hope. The Sixers literally had they have three top three picks just like stashed. Like they had they picked up Markel this year and they had Simmons. Like and MB. Those are three those are two number one picks and a top three pick. Oh wait, and let's not forget by the way, their prior two no, technically speaking, their three number one picks almost all sat out yeah. their entire first year. Yeah. I mean, Embiid sat out a year, Simmons sat out a year, and Fultz, for the most Embiid, part, has really Embiid been out sat out like year. a year and a half. Embiid sat out like a year and a half. He played like 40 games last year. This is a full, first full season. Right. So, I, you know, I, again, I, I, it would be great to see. I think it would be a phenomenal story mm-hmm. at the end of the day. But uh, I think the Cavs will take care of business, and I think the Rockets will take care of business. Agreed. Yeah. And then moving on to the finals, another rematch four years in a row, Warriors-Cavs. I have the Warriors in five. Same old story as last year. LeBron is burnt out from carrying this team on his back throughout the entire playoffs, and this year he doesn't have a Kyrie to keep it close. So I have Warriors in five. KD gets his second ring and takes home the MVP honors. And I have Rockets winning in six, and I think that CP3 gets exactly what he wanted, (laughs) and I think he went to Houston, paired up with Harden, Mm -hmm. and Harden gets to the ring. He... Much deserves no offense or buts about it. And you know what? Kudos to Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. All right. And and I do hope that he has a good, successful playoff run because for years, everyone talked about how his style can't work. His style can't work. You have to be able to play defense in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll be curious to see what happens. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But I'd like to see him win. He's had a great, long, successful career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as you talked about in New York, he didn't have the players. Uh, to win there, yeah. But you know, go 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 now. back to the days before you were born and out out in Phoenix, and mm. you know th- those were some fun yeah. times. Yeah. All right. Anyways, ho- thank you guys for tuning in. That's wrapping up our Jake in the Paint podcast. Third episode is our first NBA episode, our NBA recap. I'm here with my dad, Steve. We'll call him Big Steve. We'll give you guys the Big Steve story. So in eighth grade, one of my AAU coaches. For some reason, called him Big Steve every time. I, who knows? It's a very misleading nickname. You think Big Steve, and then you meet him in person. It's a 5'11 Jewish guy. But <laughs> you called him Big Steve. So for the purpose of the podcast, that's how we'll refer to him. Give him a nice little nickname. So I'm not saying I'm doing the podcast with my dad every time. Give him a nice little nickname and identity. So signing off on the Jake in the Paint NBA recap with Big Steve. <laughs>